Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Bridgerton Post Show Recap. Today, we'll be talking about Season 2, Episode 5 of Bridgerton, An Unthinkable Fate. I'm Kirsten McInnes, joined by uh, half of the Dark Walk crew. Uh, Sasha Joseph is here. Sasha, how are you? So excited. What a steamy episode to talk about. You know, we didn't get a lot of sex, but I guess this is the closest (laughs) to it. So can't wait. Can't wait to chat. Absolutely. And... I know she's ready to go blue with the entire episode. Sarah Carradine is here. Sarah, how are you? You may think me an unfeeling harridan. And I am. Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking to you from Gadigal land. Uh, this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Very, very happy to be here. Yes, and we are not alone. We have a great guest. Uh, this guest described this episode as, I believe it was, so hot uh, you know, this isn't where I thought I would be talking to you, but Mike Bloom is here. Mike, how are you? I love the just dripping with absolute judgment <laughs> of like, this person said that this episode was, quote, so hot. I get it. I understand. Look, we'll talk about my my own recent history with this show, but like, my God, Sasha, I agree. We weren't hitting the baseball diamond anytime soon, but like, man, this bad in practice, like, <laughs> we were swinging. We were oh swinging. Oh, my God. So, like, I'm not, like, judging you for thinking it's hot. I'm just, like, Mike, even though, as I discovered last time we podcasted, you're barely older than me at all, I still just, like, because you've been podcasting so much longer than me, I feel like you're in, like, a cool uncle spot in my yes. life, even though we're about the same age. And so I think Mike and I are, like, very like close to the same age, so it's really... <laughs> so I agree. And I was like, the first boy on the podcast, and it's Mike Blue. <laughs> Yeah, listen, it makes sense, right? Yes. Uh, flowers bloom, bees come near it, and bees <laughs> kill people. So, like, it's a natural chain, of course, of events. How many people have you killed? Uh, oh well, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I guess I, I lose count at all the flowers that spring up around. But I'm so happy to be here, to be joining the Dark Walk. This is fantastic. Uh, thank you to La- Lady Featherington for, like, sending me into this proverbial orange grove so that I'm able to talk with you all. Such a fantastic panel about such a fun show in Bridgerton I'm I'm very late hopping on the bandwagon but like I am so so excited to talk about all this yes well we already had your wife Angela on so we had to complete the pair by having you on as well um now you just said you're jumping on the bandwagon but do you want to give us your kind of Bridgerton story Mike I mean it's incredibly short uh (laughs) it's like a three-page pamphlet so yeah I mean when I'd seen that season two was coming Angela had watched it many times. She's talked in before on this podcast about like how much she is really into that Regency era uh, romanticism elements. I am not necessarily, and I, I think I realized uh, a, a foundational facet that like this has that maybe those don't that I'll get into. But I was like, 
I'm going to try it. I'll see what happens. And I was really gripped by it. First, the performances are very good. Uh, you know, and I would not say the material, even though it is a Shondaland piece, and that can be a bit hit or miss when it comes to dialogue. Like, it does not feel incredibly over the top and silly, at least in this moment, though we are going to talk about an episode where like a man flat out falls into a lake, uh, which seems like something that would happen in like a goofy... Two men! Yeah, Two uh, men! Justice for Mr. Dorset. No, but only only one man that counts. Okay? Yeah, one oh, man come on. Only. Yeah, listen, Mr. Dorset was not wearing like pa- paper crepes like on his body like Anthony was, right? That you could basically see through his right. entire skeleton during. But what I realized something that really hooked me onto the show because I didn't I didn't know if I would be into it. I was like, let me let me just try watching this. Not only was it the performances or the writing, I think what I realized is for me, the difference between Bridgerton and something like a Pride and Prejudice or a Jane Eyre, etc., is something that actually, like, I'm a little of two minds with because I'm not loving the choice they're making, but I understand it. I like the fact that this is an ensemble show. That for me, with those, like, you have to be really invested, Pride and Prejudice, like, you gotta be really into what's going on with Elizabeth Bennet. If you don't, there's really not much else going on. Whereas with this, if it's like, hey, I'm not really into this pair. Here's all these other storylines that are happening. Now, that being said, I will not say that all the storylines that they have (laughs) flushed out this season are top tier, but I at least appreciate the option to be like, hey, if there's a particular person or storyline that you're not into, that's fine. You can invest in something else. Uh, Ensemble is my favorite type of storytelling. And so I really appreciate that, that, you know, for every Will the Boxer storyline, we'll have the fantastic aspect of something that is Anthony and Kate Sharma and that sort of pseudo love triangle going on. So it's like, there's a little something for everybody in my opinion. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I thought you were going to say the difference is that uh, Julia Quinn has a nipple kink and we don't know if Jane Austen did, but (gasps) it's fine. (laughs) That's exactly. I mean, that was number two, honestly, in my opinion, it was like the nipple kinks. Literally as someone who's read Every single Julia Quinn novel. It's the only thing that is true across all of them. And it's we didn't so even weird. get the main one last yeah. episode. What a like, what a shocker. Yeah, what like that's simple. the whole point of the bee sting <laughs> is that they get married because he sucks her collarbone. The exposure of yeah. the bosom. Very, very important. See, These like gowns that are sometimes paper thin and they just fall off in Julia Quinn novels. They do. It's like, they really do. It's like the zipless fuck. The clothes just come Oh, my off. God. Yeah. Zipless, zipless fuck <laughs> oh, was that's... the name of my band in high school. <gasps> we played a lot of ska. Uh, Stop. Okay. Oh, you you uh, read the women's room, did you? <laughs> yeah. Well, that well that's the thing, though, is that I sort of also get to have my lemon cake and eat it, too, in that, like, I'll watch this by comparison, fairly chaste stuff on, on, uh, you know, on the show. And then I'll like turn to my wife. who's like, well, actually in this, the whole beastie thing. And she described the whole incident to me. And I'm like, fantastic. Like now I get the, like the, the, the TV edit and I have like the, you know, basic cable edit that now I can check out as well. <laughs> the HBO edit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cause I was like, come on, how, how, why, why? And that's my, only issue with this episode is like the fact that we're still dragging this Edwina and Anthony thing like end it already we're five episodes in we only have eight episodes I know each episode feels like a movie but it's not so no I think de- they definitely are movies as they're they over are, 42 they're minutes so long. to me they're all movies 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm just like, come on. And end the storyline. She looks like his daughter. It's awkward. I hate it. It's like, it's so uncomfortable to watch her when I, I'm going forward. I know. But when she's like, I'm in love with him. Stop it. You have daddy yeah. issues. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I mean, I listen, I, I wouldn't say daughter. I guess to go back to the example that's been invoked for me, I would say, like, fun <laughs> uncle. Uh, <laughs> Without the fun. I mean, yeah, fun, exactly. fun, you fun. I mean, lots and, of fun if you want to marry not fun. that person. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. Not fun. UILF, so. uncle I'd like to fun. <laughs> okay. You can go anyway, blue. So, say the other F. Yeah. Um, Speaking of Edwina and Anthony, last episode ends with the proposal. And Sasha, you did not get to join us to give your reaction. I think we just got a preview of how you feel about all of that. But when you were watching for the first time, how did you feel when you saw Anthony go down on one on one knee? Again, it's like, why? You know, like I just Cardi B meme, right? What was the reason? Like, that's just been me because like I said, rewatching it, it's been like I've been falling in love with it. I was like, okay, I like the show. It's great. Let me not drag. But they're dragging. So now I have to drag them for dragging because you're ruining the core, right? Like to me, they're just fucking up the sisterhood. And that's what's pissing me off because Edwina and Kate are so beautiful together and then Mary as well. So that's why I'm just like irked by this whole thing. And especially in this moment where it's so obvious that Anthony loves Kate. Kate loves Anthony. They're very sexually attracted to each other. There's lots of passion. So why are you ruining your sister's life? Like none of this makes sense. And it's pissing me the hell off. Absolutely, Kate. That's totally fair. Um, Mike, how do you feel about kind of that love triangle in the larger sense now that the engagements come into play? Yeah, it's tough, though, because it's not really a triangle. It's like a, a straight mm-hmm. line with like a little <laughs> point that's hanging alongside it. That's, <laughs> that's my thing is that, you know, I didn't know a lot. I haven't read the source material, uh, and, but I did read, you know, like some Entertainment Weekly coverage going into the season. and They set up this idea of a love triangle. And so I was expecting that in every sense of the word. And I guess there is one now, technically, at least of this episode, right? Where, you know, Edwina's like, uh, oh, I love him now. It's like, okay, I guess now the, the official three points have been satisfied. But I totally agree that, like, almost at the expense of building up just how freaking good Anthony and Kate are, it's at the expense, I feel like, of that third person. Like, Edwina, to me, doesn't seem like that interesting of a character, which, again, getting the scoop from the person in bed next to me like that's not great compared to her in the books where she actually is like a fleshed out character who has interests right now she almost seems like that person who's been like groomed to become the diamond you know like Mm -hmm. oh i have to check all the boxes i have to do the right things i have to know how to do this and i'm seeing less of like a personality on her but i am glad at least in this episode that it gave her and the actress specifically the opportunity to like play something besides that and I yeah, I mean, that, I think she's they... absolutely terrific, this this actress. She's on the cover of Teen Vogue. If oh. anyone wants to uh, renew their subscription to Teen Vogue, you will see her looking absolutely glorious. I think that for the for the first episodes, and we saw this perfection and this kind of vap- vapidity, vapidness perhaps is a better a word, I think this is absolutely deliberate and it's a really nice mirror to Daphne in season one, this idea of perfection, untouchable perfection, that you are absolutely everything that everybody wants. And 
at first becoming irritated with her and then becoming really compassionate towards her and think this is what you think you have to be in order to be in the world. And this emphasis on Kate being responsible for her family and Anthony being responsible for his family, we start to see how Edwina has in fact felt the weight of that responsibility. It just hasn't had a, a spotlight shined on it. And so I like this turn that she's going to take and perhaps we'll see uh, a bigger turn as episodes go on. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, I think it's very the treatment of Edwina is very intriguing if it pays off, if this perfection breaks down to some real person behind there. Well, and speaking of the diamond and perfection, the queen had a lot of pressure on her diamond this season. Edwina is supposed to... Rep- Repair the Queen's reputation because apparently this gossip pamphlet is able to impact the actual reputation of the Queen. Again, does not make any sense. They make all of this whistle down stuff so much higher stakes than it is in the books, and it's very funny to me. But the Queen wants to throw the wedding for them, like in town, like at a palace, uh, no way to anything modest. Uh, and so what we get a lot of here is a lot of wedding planning, a lot of big events in preparation, and then a lot of Kate having smaller moments, just completely unable to stop thinking about Anthony. Yeah, I mean, sexy daydreams AF. Like, <laughs> and it's wild because, you know, I feel like at least like my perspective of the first half of the season is that we saw a lot of things from Anthony's side, right? Like a lot of his gazes, a lot of his own being lost in thought, especially with that stuff with the B incident that we did like we sort of knew from the rom-com perspective, okay, we know that Kate's going along with it, though we don't know at what pace. And like this episode really doubled down on like, no, Kate's feeling it too. You know, like later on when she freaking throwing the teacup around when she's just sitting there, which is like, a little cartoony to be completely honest but like if she is truly rattled by what's happening she does the little like uh pseudo attempt to touch his oh that was the best Mm. (laughs) it got me it's so cute like that's i feel like that's something that could be relatable to people even now of just like being really into someone and just trying to get those stolen touches. It's also a good flashback to season one with uh, Daphne and Simon when they hold hands by the portrait. Yeah. It's just, it's so beautiful because I agree with you, Kirsten. Like I remember whenever you have a crush on someone and if they sit close to you or, you know, if you like walk by each other, whatever, it's just, it's so silly, but that shiver that goes up your spine and, Imagine having someone, you know, that you have a crush on as attractive as Anthony and just like basically doing a model walk toward you. I mean, I just fall and be like, oh, my corset was too tight. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. It's like when you see like a thirst trap of your crush and you kind of like your jaw drops a little bit and you're like, I didn't know people's jaws actually dropped. (laughs) Now, that being said, let me let me like canvas here. Is Jonathan Bailey attractive? In your opinion, especially in, now that he is like front and center. And in season two, yes. yes. They cut all of that horrible hair off of his face and I think adjusted his wardrobe such that he actually has like main character energy. Like season one, mm-mm. season two, mm-hmm. it's the mutton chops. They were horrid. Yeah. Oh, 
<laughs> they were like, oh, we should shave them. Got You're it. just anti-chop. I mean, I'm on record as no. being an, an Anthony Stan from season one, I think particularly with this actor. Like he did exactly what was needed in season one and the fact that he was disliked by the young ladies is fantastic. And now with this turn, I mean, he is very attractive. We have him sitting in baths contemplating. We have him yeah, coming out of bodies talk. of water. Uh, we have some abs. Uh, we did see his bum in um, season one. We haven't had mm -hmm. a lot of bum action, but we have had a lot of ab action. And um, there's certainly a lot of, uh, you know, riding hard and being put away wet for both Anthony and Kate. I will, I will say, though, if you think this is attractive, Jonathan Bailey, so I stumbled upon one of, like, my low-key obsessions is looking up a cast of a TV show or movie and being like, but can they sing? And there's okay. a video about the Bridgerton cast singing and god they're stacked there uh reggie jean, P uh, jean page is like has an incredible voice uh, mm. the guy who plays colin sings and jonathan bailey sings he's a west end actor uh olivier winner i believe uh and he sings something for the last five years and he has like just enough scruff to him that i'm like oh damn now i kind of wish i know it's not period appropriate but like go simon like give anthony a little bit of facial hair because like He's got it really going on when he's got that scruff. Well, and I think like it doesn't work for this episode or for the whole season, but there is a period coming up in the next couple of episodes where it would make total sense for him to have scruff because, you know, he's stressed. He's not going out. He's not, quote, taking care of himself. And I think that that's a super missed opportunity. More scruff. I'm I'm very pro scruff. Me too. Anti-mutton really chop. Me too. Pro scruff. Correct. Mike, have you ever had like big sideburns before? Oh my yes. god! Uh, well, no, I haven't had big sideburns. Those were like you know tacked on for school plays. But there was a point mm -hmm. in time when I grew out a beard when I was uh, dating Angela, and it's actually one of the pictures that we still have downstairs where we like went on a Fourth of July trip. It was when like I was on tour, and I was like, I'm "Footloose and fancy free, let me try and grow out a beard," uh, and I looked terrible i look like a jewish leprechaun it was oh my so god not that. And you're wearing green right now too yeah but so mm -hmm. there but there's an image of like me with the beard with me kissing angela and she's like always hated it so yeah i think like in our household uh and we're very like pro clean shaven but like in general when it comes to like my aesthetic in men i think i'm very much about like just enough scruff like that to me is good i'm, I'm not like full beard especially not like full santa claus beard but like Slap a little bit of that natural facial hair on me. I'm like, it's good. It brings a little bit of shadow. Oh, yeah. I like the straight F boy beard where it's like completely like shaved, you know, on your top of your cheek, but there's still a lot of hair. I don't know. Yeah, I'm very into like the the F. Well, like, I don't know. I feel like F boys have that beard, but it's it's very hot for me. I made my husband like get that beard cut and he came home and I was like immediately shaved <laughs> absolutely not <laughs> okay I you know what I was like what is she talking about but then I, I don't know how to explain it but like beard and the image search it, it tells you exactly what you need to know hmm. yeah um, it's like someone that literally like goes to the barber and will yeah. get their beard shaved like yeah like there'll be beard. like a fade on their face yeah yep, and yep, I just yep. think it's very hot I would say it's not for me, but I can see the appeal. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so uh, in the midst of all of this, you know, they're they're choosing cakes. Uh, Edwina's getting her ring fitted. And then we get 
finally some Canthony content uh, where Anthony's like asking her about the weather. I mean, they have to talk about the most unsexy things or I think it's like immediate, like they want to just hook up. So I think he has to be like, wow, let's talk about the weather because if we talk about anything else, I'm just going to take you upstairs right now. Yeah, the undercurrent of that is when there's thunder and lightning, very, very frightening, you can find very interesting people in uh, libraries in their in their undergarments and it might be a lot of panting and longing, longing looks. So, yeah, he's trying to be innocuous, but uh, she's not having any of it. She is furious. She is like, what is this engagement? If anyone but Daphne had found us, we would be getting married. Like, mm-hmm. what are you doing here? Oh, yeah. Does, does, does the dark walk exist in, like, library form in that instance where it's not just being found outside in that certain piece of foliage? I mean, oh, I, I would say yes. Yeah. And I love how he's like, is that what you wanted? Uh, yeah. <laughs> duh. Uh, uh, duh. Read That's what the we room, all so. want. We yeah. want Kate like, and Anthony content. Like, God. literally, Anthony, you were about to tear her clothes off and mm-hmm. go for the nipple sucking. We all know Again. it was what he wanted because Julia Quinn wanted it. If Daphne had been 30 seconds later, they would have been in a very compromising position indeed. Like, it's so annoying. Mm. I, is I it know, and hot... I will say, sorry, Mike. No, I, I will say last time, I'm sure you talked about it, um, right, that... The library scene isn't supposed to be sexy. It's actually supposed to be the one time they actually get to be loving together in the book because uh, because of Kate's like crippling fear of thunder and lightning. So, again, I was like, how do they fall in love besides this animalistic attraction? Like, what is it that brings them together? I just feel like we're not getting that. I'm trying to – that was when they all, they also – when she's just like, well, how did your dad die? Yeah, that's what – like, they so have, like, like those – fear like let's you know that like it's the equivalent of now when you are first dating someone and you stay on the phone all night with them and that's when you're like oh cool this is real like it was that moment and that's why I was like how you took this out that's horrible I mean that being said again as someone who does not engage with the content proper and has nothing to compare it against I am more than fine with it. I can understand if there's something better to base it against that you're like, why is this happening? But as me kind of walking in as the casual, I'm like, I'm understanding what's happening here. It, it's definitely more, I think, of like a haters to lovers than maybe mm-hmm. the Duke and Daphne is. I mean, listen, my hot take is that uh, I like Kate and Anthony more than I like the Duke and Daphne personally. Oh, I don't think that's a hot take at yeah. all. Oh, I is think it not? That's okay. a good yeah. I, I thought that like the, with just the general thoughts about season two and just like the, the love acclaim for season one that I thought there'd be some sort of like nostalgia around like, no, oh, but they're no Duke and Daphne. Well, I think, so I think the problem is that we got to see the Duke and Daphne actually fall for each other in their schemes and in the fake dating. And I did go into this last podcast, which obviously hasn't been released yet at the time of recording, but like uh, book one is fake dating to real dating. And then book two is enemies to lovers, which I, if you, you give me an enemies to lovers romance novel, that is chef's kiss perfection, Mm -hmm. pride and prejudice walked that Bridgerton could fly and all of these other enemies to lovers uh, could exist. And the problem for me is that this season is listed as a slow burn, but for most of the early episodes, there's no burn at all. Exactly. And so if they had just given more of Kate's side of things in the first four episodes, I think it would be 
infinitely more satisfying than when they finally start giving her that in episode four and five. Mm-hmm. That's, that's but also, my problem with it. This season gives us not one but two enemies to lovers stories, which I think is a beautiful mirroring, and I really appreciated it. And we're starting to see that in this uh, in this episode as well. The other couple that's enemies to lovers. Yeah, I think for me, it's a matter of not to say that I didn't like the Duke and Daphne. I feel like so far, you know, if the onus of like each nearly each Bridgerton novel is that like here's someone new coming into the picture that falls in love with one of the Bridgerton kids, we are two for two. In terms of casting, I think yeah. they, they Simona Ash, Simone Ashley in general is like God, like not only beautiful but just like a fantastic actress, uh, and mm-hmm. really is in my opinion the MVP of season two. I think for me, I am much more about like two mature, headstrong adults mm-hmm. that are very you know secure in their sexual activity, finding love with each other, rather than like the kind of ookiness that came with me with like. I'm going to teach you what a vagina is. That essentially <laughs> literally, yeah. In like the, the, a third of season one, that felt a little odd to me, though it makes sense given the nature of the characters. So like that's why I personally have preferences, and I can understand though that like by comparison, they're not necessarily giving it that reverence that they did with season one, which I think is partially maybe because of that, or because again they're like, oh, we want to build out the entire ensemble, so like now everybody gets a story, and that means less Kate and Anthony time. They, they they had a perfect opportunity to, if they were going to get rid of Kate is terrified of the lightning and, and Anthony comforts her, they had this perfect moment where she talked about being slightly disturbed by storms and that her father used to read to her and he takes the book out of her hand and I held my breath, this is the last episode, I held my breath thinking, is he going to read to her? It's like they, in rewriting it, gave themselves this perfect opportunity where they could meet on a on an intellectual or, or feeling level as much as a sexy, sexy level. Uh, but that moment, that moment was gone. Sort yourselves out, writers. Yeah, or get Sarah on the staff. Come on, get me on the staff. Get me in that room. Um, yeah. So we do have also, like, uh, not to dwell on it, but... Uh, with the resizing of Edwina's ring, uh, they do use Kate as a hand model because she wears the same size glove as her sister. And so uh, Anthony gets this moment of seeing Kate wearing the ring that she should be wearing, uh, which very clearly affects him. I I also love this jeweler because this guy is, is so cushy. And really, like, this is a smart thing to do if you're living in this era, right? Like, you're you may he may not even be a jeweler he might just pretend that he is like he got a bunch of nice jeweler and he's like oh i'm a jeweler but mostly he's there to just eat everyone's cake and then Mm -hmm. leave for the day like that is the life for me that's the perfect con in my opinion it's not to rob these rich people of like all of their belongings it's more so to just like get their table scraps essentially and and fill your belly for the day and then walk away to the next house i think you would only get away with that like one or two times before everyone's like oh our rings didn't get resized (laughs) <laughs> no, the mines in Georgia, they need to be worked on. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, he doesn't know a counterfeit ruby when he sees one. So, you know, Portia sends him off without cake, but I love Portia, so that's good. <laughs> oh, but I also, 
I have to talk about this moment because one, I was like, really, she had to put the ring on. And of course, it's a little stuck when Edwina shows up, which is my favorite thing in the world, because mm-hmm. I was like, wake up, sheeple. Obviously, they're, they should be together. Um, and it, it's just so cute because she's just like, no, I'll, I'll get it off. I'll get it off. And Edwina's like, but why the hell did this girl put it on in the first place? It makes zero sense. But as soon as Kate puts it on, Anthony is like grabbing her hand and doing all this stuff. I was like, really? Y'all are cool with the to be brother in law, just like touching the to be sister in law. No. Oh, it's just wake up. Not appropriate, <laughs> but I loved it anyways. Obvi. Um, but you know what? Uh, we get to soothe this awkward moment because Lady Danbury comes in. To let Ultimate everybody know. Block. This whole episode, I was like, Lady Danbury, get a room. You own the house. Go in a different room. <laughs> it's so this. it's so interesting because like Lady Danbury was quite the opposite. Like Lady Danbury was like a cock slide last season, right? When yes, she's like, she oh. was a lube. Yeah. Yeah. She was like, oh, slide, go down that slip and slide, Simon. Like, don't worry, I got you covered. And this time she's like, no. And I don't know if it's because, like, the arrangement had already been made, whether it's, like, she's housing the Sharmas but doesn't have as much of a weight or connection with them as she did Simon. But her behavior this episode in particular was really interesting to me. Like, when she told Kate, oh, you'll like going back and, like, being independent. Wasn't it a couple of episodes ago that Kate was like, oh, you have such a great life? And she's like, well, I actually love someone. And then I was able to have a really great life. It it feels like mixed messages to me from a character that I think is usually very reliable. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think that Lady Danbury in general is mostly proper. Like she really, she like creates um, opportunities for married women to kind of go wild but when it comes to like the debutantes and the courting process and all of that I think that she does want to follow the rules like with Simon she was encouraging him to court Daphne to marry Daphne and then to enjoy his like marriage with Daphne with this I feel like she was more encouraging Kate up to the point where Anthony and Edwina are engaged and now she's like okay well it's over it's like curtains for you Kate you gotta go um and also because the queen is in such a precarious situation, apparently, uh, she wants to provide that support to the queen as well, which again makes no damn sense. Like, it's not. Uh, yeah. Like her I said, wigs, her wigs are too heavy. She can't think properly. <laughs> I will say, I like the, I think I like the brunette wig the best. It's the least fun. But I, the brunette wig that we saw in the beginning of this episode, like I'd, you know, I'd buff that. Uh, I give it a toot, if you will. Like I, I think that's it complements her the best. <laughs> She's just a killer on all ends. Yep. I and I can't wait for her spinoff because what the hell is she the new lady whistle down? Like what's going on? Well, it's good. So it's gonna be the spinoff is gonna be the young yeah. queen uh, when she meets the oh king. Oh my god! First and young Sheldon, we're gonna see young, young Violet and young Lady Danbury as well. I'm excited for young Lady Danbury. That should have been the spinoff. I feel. Now, are we talking young? Are we talking like Muppet babies, like when they're five years old? <laughs> no, I th- I think it'll be more so like eighteen to twenty ish for all of played them. by thirty two year olds. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it'll be very much uh, the Carrie Diaries. Yeah. <laughs> Not the Carrie Diaries. God. 
Remember the I forgot diaries? that like unlocked a memory. I do remember the Carrie Diaries. That oh, also um God. the Carrie Diaries live in my mind in a very specific place with when Gossip Girl was going to do a spinoff about Lily Vanderwoodson as a teen. Yeah, and they did like that one episode of Gossip Girl that's set in Lily's youth. They lived together. Oh yes, in my brain. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's just like they're like, we don't have enough Bridgerton siblings. So what we're going to do is add more love stories is what we're going to do. I just think it's interesting because like Julia Quinn does have a rich backstory that happens about 100 years before um, the Bridgerton books with like a different branch of the Bridgerton. Like there's one like it's the Rokesby's and then at least one of the Rokesby's marries a Bridgerton. Maybe two of them do. Uh, And then there's another at at least towards the end of the Rokesby's ones or maybe in a different book. There's one where we do see um, young Violet when she's already had three of the kids for like a brief oh, wow. moment. That's like, interesting. Wow, wow. So, so they could do like, uh, you know, House of the Dragon is coming up, right? From Game of Thrones, which is not very similar, but it's this idea of like same world, but all the way back with characters you don't recognize. Mm-hmm. So like they could, The Witcher, which is another big Netflix franchise is doing something similar. Yeah, they could absolutely do it. And it would make way more sense than the uh, Targaryen one because people still like Bridgerton. <laughs> <laughs> oh mm, not um, this it's it's this. true yeah like, i was I talking to my sister the other day and she was like how long have we been in this pandemic and how many shows have i watched and i have never once even considered rewatching game of thrones like it's it's rough bad. yeah it's tough but what is interesting though and not to get too much into like house of the dragon like <laughs> i actually have fairly high expectations for it because it does not have like the the deceitful duo you know the the double d's that were affiliated with it that everyone kind of figures they want to do the star wars thing so they just kind of like ended it after eight seasons and did what they want to do like i do think the world is fundamentally good and that i think there are now people behind it that like are going to take more care than how it was ended but i think to your point it's going to be really hard for a good majority of the population to give it a second chance, even though it really has nothing to do with the people that handled it last. Ugh. Yeah. They're going to have to hope for very good word of mouth. You can see who's the entertainment journalist on this panel. I know. <laughs> yeah, who's right the now? nerd who's talking about dragons <laughs> in a Bridgerton podcast? Oh my god! I mean, dragons. Because we're not nerds talking about Bridgerton. <laughs> like we're literally I mean, yeah, talking about different shades. Romance. Yeah, these these are just tiny dragons. <laughs> these are tiny dragons so, I, these know, are I, tiny dragons i stand by it um so lady mary's estranged parents of sheffield are in town and are coming to the engagement dinner as is, is where we're at uh, as well and this is where we get our scene at the lake finally Ooh. ah we're just still bringing it to mind I know this yes. is like the highlight. It's, of, we we oh, already okay. talked about this for like probably ten minutes of last episode as well, and I will continue to talk <laughs> about it today. It's just beautiful. So they, Anthony and Edwina, go on a promenade, and Mister Dorset comes and requests to take a turn about the lake with Kate. <laughs> Should, shouldn't there be shouldn't there be like i don't know carnival attractions or stuff set up on the promenade it feels very boring if you're just walking around but, the same place it's, but they're not every day the children at hyde park to see yeah. it be seen but there's a yeah, magician entertaining the, the children 
Yeah, I guess that's true. I think for me, if I had just been like in the process of kind of speed dating in a manner of speaking <laughs> through the through this entire process, I'd be like, oh, give me like, I don't know, cunt candy booth or like a dunk tank. Like, give me something to entertain myself. <laughs> well, it's, we more. did get a dunk tank. To, I guess to that's true. Well, that's oh my God. Like, so Mike, mm-hmm. imagine if when you were dating Angela, mm-hmm. there was like a whole societal structure to how dating would work. And every day you could see her for 15 minutes for tea in the morning and you could have max two dances in the evening and maybe some conversation. And that's it. That's all you could get for the season. But then you had one opportunity in a day where you could take her for a walk and actually get probably half an hour of time that you could talk more privately. Wouldn't you want that opportunity? My goodness, this sounds rough. This yeah, sounds like, like, dunk tanks. This is like how I allot TV time to my toddler of like you get you know, <laughs> half an hour now and then you get like 15 minutes later if you're oh good. My God. my God. Yeah, right? I don't think these people are worried about any like games or like maybe for their house they need games, but right now they're just they're it's an arranged marriage. So they're like, Well, we got a date now, now that we're getting married. <laughs> Well, and also, like, everyone goes. So you get to see what everyone's wearing and who's in whose carriage. And is someone with maybe an opera singer? Is there, uh, you know, people in their their little curricles? Like, there, there's so much to, to digest. You don't need any uh, other arrangements. There's so much tea, man, all around you. Yeah, and they didn't have screen time back then, Mike. So imagine mm-hmm. how bored they were. Yeah, <laughs> and if you were... If you were engaged to one young lady, but but perhaps lustful for her sister, it gives you the opportunity to gaze sexfully at her as she gets handed into this a boat is, by this, another this man. Is, this is incredibly both rude and creepy on Anthony's part to just be outright gawking at Kate while she's ha- supposed to be having a conversation with his own mother and fiance of like, oh, I wonder what she's doing. It's again, uh, since they're not living in the age of screen time where our attention spans have just really minimized uh, down to a nub. <laughs> like he has no excuse at this point not to be engaging with the people right next to him. No, this is also wild because why is Lady Danbury making Kate go? It's so obvious because they just had the conversation of like back off of Anthony. Like he's betrothed. Whatever. He's spoken for. So <laughs> so why do you make her come? This is horrible. Why are you torturing her? Maybe they're trying to get her a man. I don't know. But I'm V into Dorset. And I'm like, mm-hmm. tell me more about him. Because he loves Indians. So hi. Find me. Um, <laughs> maybe we'll move back to Mumbai <laughs> and my home. He but likes I the just- color. Yeah, but I couldn't with him because he was like, I want to learn more about the medicine. And I was like, oh, is this where like cultural appropriation happened? Like was Dorset the reason why cultural appropriation happened? Did this this man go to India? Dorset's the one reason why it happened. Yeah, If Dorset was in modern day, he'd be going to India on a yoga retreat right now. Right? Those Mm -hmm. are the devil. I hate you. All of those people that do this. Oh my god. I I love this idea of like, Shonda Rhimes, you know, paints this, this society that like it sort of is, is Shit's Creek esque in that like isms don't necessarily exist. Yes. At least, you know, racism really doesn't, colorblind casting and all that. And then there's this one guy that just like sneaks in 
like, oh no, I've got this crazy. It's like, no, don't infect us with it. We're fucking exactly we're right now. colonizer because he's like, I love the medicine there. And you know, it's so funny because for the longest time, right? Like Eastern medicines were looked down upon and now they're like, quote unquote, back on fad. So now mm. everyone's like into it. They're like, vaccines, what? Let's get into Eastern medicine. And it's like, oh, okay, that's not what it was about. So I just I can't with Dorset in that like I was like girl you really want to go there for the medicine but but I was like okay shout out that India was ahead of her time I, I'll I'll let you give us that Dorset just like Portia I think invented embezzlement this guy <laughs> invented cultural appropriation <laughs> but he wants to appropriate Kate that's the thing he wants you want to, to appreciate There's appreciate a her and be with her and she says she's going to India immediately after the wedding that's fine because he wants to go to India too I mean he he likes her he yeah, likes she's like her. oh well, I'll show you around is this mm-hmm. Nick Jonas's line that's the question like is this Nick Jonas's ancestor oh my I'm, goodness I'm pretty Kate, sure... Kate by the ocean with that no, exactly. no offense to uh that joke because it is very funny but I'm pretty sure Nick Jonas's line was let me call my publicist and my publicist is gonna call your publicist and then we will have a fake relationship no i mean they are not no, a real relationship how dare you they're pr baby they're pr let's fight because it hurt when i found out too there should be a bridgerton s show for every jonas brother just like showing how I they mean, met there that was person. one for and then, kevin yeah but like do we get bonus yeah, when does bonus kevin. jonas get hit bonus jonas, bonus is like jonas. He's, the, he's the gregory and he's not bonus jonas <laughs> Kevin's not the bonus Jonas. There's a fourth one. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It's like the Gregory oh, Highest one. The be. Frankie, yes. Frankie, I think his name Frankie, is. Frankie, yeah. His name is. is Frankie. I mean. Listen, Kirsten, do not break little Indian girls' hearts. Because remember, when I was in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, and the, you know, majority boys were white, okay? Then you were like, oh, do white boys like me? Oh, they don't? Why? Something must be wrong with me. And then Nick Jonas shows up, and he dates and it, uh, granted, she's a Bollywood star, Miss World, but still, then you're like, oh, white boys do like us. <laughs> don't burst that bubble. No, I'm I mean, kidding. I when it I is say, weird. I would like, like to say okay. I am not uh, willing to state that uh, white boys do not like Indian girls. And that's not what I'm trying to say. No, I'm just messing with in relationship. <laughs> it's the one we get. Okay, now we have Kate and Anthony. Thank God. Okay. I, I, listen, I love some puppers in these shows. I love Newton. Newton is cute as a button. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. gonna I, well, and ironically use the term puppers. What of it? I'm really just showing my Whatever. whiteness here. Yeah, yeah, I feel like you're exactly the right age to use puppers, and ironically. Exactly. That's like fun uncle, right? Like how those puppers doing? It's uh, ruined. We've ruined. But I love that just like he appears in the most convenient times. Like he happened to be on the dock. How did he get on the dock? That's what happens in the book. He runs we, yeah. up to them because he's so excited and then knocks Edwina into the water yeah so in the in the book Kate and Anthony are walking Newton and Newton breaks free and Anthony tries to catch Newton and ends up in the water with Edwina oh that sounds much more chivalrous than like he was trying to one-up freaking Dorset by saying his knots suck and he tripped over a dog (laughs) what am I watching below deck like get out of here he's like oh I know better more nautical things shut up Anthony just say you want to jump her bones. 
Yeah, he wants to hold it. her hand. It's her fault. She snatches the hand. He he mm. stumbles back over Newton, who's suddenly there. We did see Newton on the leash at the beginning of this scene, and then we didn't see anybody holding the leash or walking mm-hmm. him. And suddenly there <laughs> he is, extremely story. conveniently. Listen, and uh, he's a good boy. He's yeah. a very good boy. He's a Papa Wuppertin. He's a menace, um, but he's a good boy. He's the best boy. <laughs> So both the both Mr. Dorset and Mr. Bridgerton and Lord Bridgerton go into the water. Uh, Mr. Dorset's very hilarious and loves it and thinks it's funny. Anthony's absolutely furious, so furious that he has to rip off his jacket, his waistcoat, his tie, leaving himself clad only in clinging linens that are see-through clinging to his body i mean not that i was looking or anything but um if i had it's looked not that's what i would have look, seen i love look. literally kate telling edwina it's not polite to look and then staring yes. at him like like literally beautiful. like what is that noise right where it's like the eyeballs come out and then the tongue is <laughs> on the ground <laughs> yeah that thank you <laughs> that's kate because she's just like wow she's yeah. just like i'm there bro but i will say this is where I'm team Dorset. Wouldn't you want to marry someone that like is so chill about falling into the water by your pet instead of this like gruff man? You know, so like point for Dorset, I will say. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm yeah. trying to remember how did he handle the mud with the whole Pili stuff or, or Palau stuff, right? Oh, like Palmol. Yeah, yeah, he was better because they were alone, I think. So he didn't have, like, the weight of the world on his shoulder. Yeah, I also think as well, at that point, I don't think he realized the crush that he had on Kate. And now he's like, I know I'm in love with her and I'm engaged to her sister. And I just fell in the lake in front of everyone. I'm mortified. (laughs) Like, I just feel like he's more embarrassed than upset, um, which is fair. But, yeah, he's, he's got the grumbles. I, I also <laughs> am surprised that this does not like bring down Madame Delacroix that it turns out she's making their shirts out of napkins of like <laughs> she just stiffed on fabric Ter- and is now Ter- just what? grabbing things from restaurants and sewing them together like it's, a Project Runway challenge. This is <laughs> linen, Mike. This is expensive stuff. You could buy a linen shirt now and it would be very pricey. That's true. It's yeah, so the, comfortable. The, the feathering tins would be wearing napkin shirts because they're really poor at this point. Mm-hmm. The, the Bridger tins I mean, are fine. Any Anybody's napkins in like 1815 are probably a higher quality than any outfits that I would Yeah, 100%. I had Edwardian damask napkins for a long time from my, from my great-grandmother to my grandmother to my mother to me. And uh, stiff, stiff, stiff with, um, with starch. You would cut your lip on them. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. Definitely the toilet paper they used back then is probably a better quality material than like anything <gasps> I, I wear, you know? That's mm-hmm. real, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at what point did they actually start using, like, toilet paper? Were they using water? Like, yeah. that's yeah. What, at least we what never we do see in... them go to the bathroom on this show. Right. We <laughs> that's what we do a chamber pot. Oh, so but yeah, that's but, what they have. But I don't know. Was it was it still even back then? Like this is turn of the century. Like was that still? Roll, still well, okay, back rolled then? and perforated toilet paper was invented around 1880. Ooh. So rolls of toilet paper did not exist at this time. Oh my god. Okay, what? well, this is an article on the history of butt wiping. And, okay. Oh boy! Uh, all right, found my ghost uh, the, account. 
I strap in. I'm literally horrified. Basically, um, let me get to the right part, not to to the, to the correct era, because I, we don't really care about ancient Rome or anything like that. Um, but in early America, um, one of the more popular ones was dried corn cob. So just think about that next time you have to use single ply. How? I mean, use a bidet, everyone. It's well, yeah. the better way, way to live your life. It look okay. So. It does look like China is widely believed to have invented toilet paper. Oh, because they invented paper, so yeah, which makes sense. Just the next place you go is your butt after you. Right, they're like, like, we can write, we can write on this, and we can wipe with it. Right, it. Well, yeah, that's so interesting. I didn't know Chinese or folks, at least in some parts of China, use toilet paper. I thought like Asia was water. I mean, I think in general, if you're thinking about like. Um, bathroom hygiene. I feel like Asia in general just was ahead of the curve on that. Correct. <laughs> Very true. And maintains that lead to this day. I know. I remember oh, moving yeah. to the United States and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> this is horrible. I'm, okay, yeah. so I'm too afraid to install like a bidet in my home, mm-hmm. in my rental because oh i have the amazon one so you know yeah. it's not actual i know i'm too scared because when i worked at the university of calgary there was a how an apartment of international students that installed that wrong and it flooded and affected like oh. three apartments oh. and then we moved them to another apartment and they did it again <gasps> so i'm like way too afraid uh Ooh. to try installing that's the real amazon one like, oh my god i'm now i'm imagining antony like covered in toilet water just like shirt sticking <laughs> to his, his chest i mean oh. that it probably was pretty stagnant. So. Yeah, the water's you probably nasty. Right. Yeah, no wonder he was angry. He was covered in like poop water. <laughs> still okay. good. Still dog. look damn good. He so, could, he could still get it. I would like to also address. Um, we do have Eloise as well, which Sarah tried to bring up earlier, and we yeah. all said no, not now. <laughs> I know Sarah is the only Eloise truther. I love it. <laughs> I, well, I, I think they've done her dirty this this season, as they have indeed Violet. Violet with her continual <gasps> and the catch in her voice. This is not the woman we met last season. And Eloise is not the girl we met last season. And I was thinking, too, about particularly in this episode where we see Kate quite having to deal with things like she doesn't want to go for a walk with um uh, with Lady Danbury, she goes for a walk. She doesn't want to walk with Dorset. She goes for a walk with Dorset. Because this is the same situation as Eloise. You're brought up. You know how to go to a ball. You know how to dance with a man. You know how to be polite. And this actress, Kate, is giving us, I don't want to do it, but I'm doing it because I'm brought up this way, in a way that they haven't allowed Eloise to do with all her sort of bending at the waist and carrying on and face acting. It's not the actress's fault. I think she's fantastic. Um, But I think they've slightly done her dirty and turned her into a bit of a character. However, I do like that they like each other. I don't don't know. I am personally, I like the way this was going because to me, I really like, you know, the Eloise, like the Wednesday Adams-esque disposition of her in the first season, but so far, like, all I had gotten from her from the show was, like, her and Lady Danbury. And I just wanted something besides that. And that's why I was really happy about this Theo Sharp stuff. It's like, yes, it it might be a bit of an an odd deviation, but, like, I personally was happy about it because when we spent the first half of the season and we kept doing the Lady Mm -hmm. Danbury stuff, I was like, this is too good of a character to just put out the Sherlock Holmes hat onto. And I will say, I guess, to quote, you know, the country of origin from which is this from. I feel like she and she, she and Theo Sharp have great bands 
as it were. I think they Ooh. have a cute little repartee together. They do have good bands. Um, well, I also, yes, no, I like, I very much like her with the Printer's Devil. I like, I like this uh, very, very much. It's when she's in ballrooms and wriggling away from her mother's touch. It just, it they've just kind of done her dirty. Yeah, it, giving it her make this. Sense. Yeah, giving her this this man that she can banter with, therefore have bants, um, makes a lot of sense. And plus he's challenging her intellectual vacuity, which is very exciting for her. So, yeah, I like it a lot. Yeah, I, I, yeah oh, I agree that. Oh, well, yeah, so I agree that I did not like it so much in season two when she was being like, you know, Anne Hathaway in the beginning of The Princess Diaries of like, not even that she was pushing against the ballroom scene, but that like she wasn't able to do it, that she was like kind of being goofy and klutzy. That to me was not Eloise. That's a good point, sir. That Eloise to me is more so like, I don't want to do this because I don't, I prefer not to not, I don't want to do this because like, I'm not very good at it. That feels Mm -hmm. like two distinctly different things. Mm -hmm. And so I actually, I feel like the season two arc of Eloise makes a lot of sense because at the end of the day, though, Eloise thinks that she is this genius who is above it all and understands everything. She's naive and she's dumb as hell, just like everybody else at that age. And I like that they honestly make her look stupid for most of this season, because I feel like it's true. She is stupid. And I think she does the like holier than thou things, right? Mm-hmm. That's why she gets on my nerves a little. Not act like I like her. Um, and I appreciate that they're giving she's going to feminist, right? Like underground meetups. So we're we're getting what is the essence of her uh character. Mm-hmm. And I think that she is silly. Like we with the iconic right uh, uh line from last season. I thought you were the smart one. So she's actually gotten like kind of shat on a little bit um, when the maid calls her, right? Like dumb, essentially. So I think there is a lot of naivete with her character. I think that they're pulling out because I think they need to get it out now because they're setting her up to be right. The the next two, if not the next love interest. Mm hmm. Yeah, she goes to Bloomsbury for heaven's sake. How exciting! Oh my goodness! Well, I'm surprised I didn't see her there for all my our underground like slam poetry counterculture yes. sessions. Yes, not slam poetry. Wonderful. Um, but uh, here Penelope shows herself to be a very good friend because when Colin says, "Oh, I thought an, uh, Eloise isn't here because she said she was going to a lecture on flower arranging with you," and Penelope, having heard none of this, very smoothly says, "Oh yes, that's later on." Oh, no, to, to be friend. fair, she could have directly called Ton to his face, like, "No, I don't know this." They'd be like, "Okay," and just keep going. Ton is as dumb as a rock. So, like, oh my god, how anything. dare you? No, Colin is on the path for a better Colin. And if Penelope had said, "Oh, I don't know what you're talking about," Colin probably would have called like the Bow Street Runners to find his missing sister. Like, oh my no god, she was kidnapped. No, I'm sorry. Listen, he cannot compare to Best Boy Benedict. Okay, he's in his shadow. <laughs> Sorry, oh Benedict Colin. is the number one for me too. Benedict I is the number one, number two for me after Eloise. Colin is just so silly, and like he's such him. a him and Eloise to me are the same. Where it's like they're trying to be in their big boy pants, but sometimes you know just don't fit. And that's Colin, but I think because he's a man, he actually has a lot of uh, privilege, and so he can do it, and he gets a lot of money to dick around with. So that also messes with him a little bit. <laughs> So, Colin, but you he, a, you a mess, child. He we like funny men, okay? Duh. No, I think I think Colin means well. It's just it, considering that we keep getting the beat of like him just completely missing every like Matrix style, every single advance that is thrown his way <laughs> yeah. by Penelope. It's Except got a Marina. Little- 
But yeah, it's got a little OT as opposed to like I I totally agree that like Eloise and Benedict are my two favorite because they are the most grounded. I love all those swing set scenes. Just of just like these these two characters kind of seeing eye to eye and being like, yeah, you also got a sense that this is bullshit, right? <laughs> all the stuff that's going on. And I'm a sucker for Benedict's uh, Benedict's asymmetrical cravat is like one of my yes. favorite fashion pieces. I love it. I guess I I can't help but draw my eye to it. Maybe because it is so like off center, but I. I can't help but see, and that represents what he is entirely. Like, he's not going to be the way that you think he is. He's not going to be your bow-tied stiff. He's going to go one direction. And if an ex-naked lady asks him to get naked, he immediately takes his clothes off. It's pretty good. Talk about a zipless fuck. I mean, she says, I would like to study the male form. And he says, well, I've got one right here. No, he's such under my clothes. I love it. <laughs> like, he's really just so easy. And I do think Benedict is a himbo. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, like, I think when you take any any of the other Bridgerton children and you put them in that like artist orgy, weird trippy scene that they went to in the first season, like they are they immediately turn around. Benedict goes okie dokie, and he just like takes off his clothes and hops <laughs> into it. Like that's what I really admire about he him. Goes, he really likes oh, yes and. We're doing a threesome. Okay, got it. He's that's like with his wife. I don't. Doesn't matter to me. Let's yeah. go. Oh, great, brother! You have a hallucinogen. Great, put it a bunch of it in my tea. Here we go. More, I'm be more. Tripping balls all night. He's <laughs> such a mess. Like he literally. I was like, girl, get your life together. It's so mm. cute. But I, I lo- that's why I love Benedict. But also. I just, he's so easy. Like, have some standards. Like, you can't just be she, that easy. Well, no one's going to marry uh, I mean, Benedict. That, that artist model is very clever. She is not allowed to attend classes because she's a woman. So she models and listens to the lectures and then practices in the rooms um, after hours. Smart, smart lady. Very the bar is nice. low. That's that's great, but that that like in and of itself almost seems like I don't know one of those true stories that gets been made into like a biopic, right? Of oh, this person was able to become a fantastic artist by just you know studying secondhandedly as a model. I I really enjoy that. I don't know if this is obviously we know that like Benedict is going to be the next season. I don't know if we're going to have a newbie coming in, but if they didn't, I thought it could have been a cool idea to like because I have no idea who he's going to fall in love with. Of just like introducing her now mm-hmm. and revealing it that way. I have a feeling that's not going to be it, uh, that this is just going to sort of be a one-time thing with him and the model, but it could have been a really interesting way to do it considering now we have this Benedict goes to art school storyline. Yeah, I think they need to completely divert from Benedict's book, to be yeah. honest, for his love story. So um, that would be really great if they did that. Um, before we get back to the Kate and Anthony of it all, we should take a break uh, we've been just gabbing away, but we we should take a break here. And we're back. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Sarah. <laughs> we're horrible. Um, we're okay. bad. It's fine. So, <laughs> Edwina's grandparents mm-hmm. are at dinner. It's Giles from yes! Buffy. Yes, I'm so happy, Sarah, that someone else was able to, to, to identify this. That we we're sitting around like, is that Anthony Head? Like, what is Anthony he doing Stewart there? Head, a three-name is- celebrity, and he is fantastic. <laughs> He's twice the height of his wife. They did find an, an actor who was shorter than Edwina, which I thought was marvelous. 
Uh, she is fantastic. I do not know her at all, but I loved her straight away. What an a what a bravura performance! She it. She goes and, from passive aggressive to aggressive aggressive. With yeah, I was going to say breath. like uh, I don't know if this is a, a reflection about the Sheffield household, but like to bring in someone like Anthony Stewart Head, he really didn't have much to do. He had like five lines. It was pretty much like, oh, I, I dare say, oh, how dare you? Like it's, it's like he's Giles. You give him something to do. He he's, has a, an immense capacity when it comes to acting. He was on a show for seven seasons. Listen, um, they had to give space for the internalized racism. Okay, no one else is bigger than that. Because oh my god, I I just couldn't. I couldn't with the Sheffield. Even though I will say. Daddy Sheffield was a little better where he was like, not right now, dear. Mm -hmm. We said we wouldn't do it. But ma'am, what is wrong with you? So much horrible internalized racism. And it just I couldn't do it. And I think I'm more troubled by it because even now in Indian households, right, colorism uh, because of said British colonizers um, is real. And, you know, there's a lot of like classism, colorism when it comes to marriage so i was like again here we go again like this lady needs to shut the hell up like and the fact that the other kate like that what a disgusting horrible people terrible well and they finally actually get lady mary to say something which she hasn't whoa, really wow. done this whole yeah, season she hasn't said a word and she's like whoa I'm glad that my daughters grew up away from people like you. Like, y'all suck. My two daughters. I have two daughters. Yeah, uh, I love that as Beautiful. well. Yeah, because, I mean, if you talk about othering Kate, it's more so like othering uh, Kate's mother, right? Like, <laughs> being like that thing. Othering the mother? Yeah, exactly. The mother other. Uh, the other mother other. Mothering that... the other. Yeah, mm. it's just, it was it was bad. It was one. Of, it was a very textbook scene, but it still wasn't great to watch. But, like, you could tell... For Mrs. Sheffield, this was something that, like, just really dug into her crawl, right? Like, every single day since Mary left for India. And now that it finally came back, she couldn't help but spill it. And so it was absolutely terrible. But, like, screw decorum at this point in time. Especially when Anthony, of all people, stands up and is like, that is quite enough. Please, everyone, stop talking about this and get the, get the hell out of this place that is not my house. But that <laughs> I'm going to own. It's yeah. Okay. <laughs> Well, and just before, like, when yeah. Anthony jumps in is when Lady Sheffield exposes that Kate, of all people, is the one who set up the trust fund for Edwina, provided Edwina marries a good English gentleman. And Anthony doesn't really miss a beat. He, as you said, Mike, kicks them out of Lady Danbury's house. So, and Sorry, tinfoil hat on. Um oh. Do we, do we believe that Anthony did this? Because, again, subconsciously he's so obsessed with Kate that he's like, no one can talk about Kate like this. Let me end it. Because if it were just shade towards Edwina, would he have done this? Like, is he, we know that he's pretty moral, blah, blah, blah. But, like, the fact that it was right when Kate's secret came out and then he immediately was like, cut this, cut, cut it, cut it, cut it, end it, end it, end it. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's – it's to be noted that Violet has said to him, you clearly are not passionate about her. I want you to have right. a love match. And you can, you can, you know, finish the engagement. And he said, no, I can't leave her dishonoured. And Violet has suggested that the young lady herself, if she breaks off the engagement, that um, that all will be well. So he's had this in his head. And then this scene erupts. Uh, it's a very ugly scene. Um, I mean, 
she uses the p word which is just disgusting um but beautifully written wonderfully acted that that actress that i'm admiring so much i should look up her name she doesn't hold back like sometimes you see actors who are compelled to play ugly characters and i don't mean physically ugly sort of hold back and they try and show oh it's not really me it's the character and she just leans right into it and she gives you this this hideous toad of a woman um but so Anthony throws them out of Lady Danbury's house and then he throws himself and Violet out of the house. Uh, I'm well. get out too. Uh, yeah, mm. I, it's a good question, Sasha. I mean, it's also like a lot for him to think about as well. At least that's the perception that that at least yeah. Adina is trying to say of like, oh my God, this happened. So it might also just be him trying to chew it over. Cause, and that also is a little bit ironic as well, right? That Anthony like was so upfront about how this is not a love match. This is purely transactional. Like I have to do what yeah. I have to do. And then to find out that like, essentially he's also a bit transactional. He is that livestock that he claimed that Weena Sharma was in the first episode of season two that Kate overheard. It's it's a little hypocritical for him to like be incredibly angry, but if I'm going to excuse him, part of it might just be like him trying to wrap his head around all that as well of like all these things that him and especially Edwina didn't necessarily know about. Yeah, exactly. And I, I will say Kate did try to say it to Edwina, but like classic, you know, movie TV fashion, they were interrupted by who? None other than Miss Lady Cockblock Danbury. So it's just, again, like I was like, girl, what are you doing this whole episode? So this just makes Edwina be like, this is the man for me. He's so chivalrous, He's which I was like, me. oh, open your eyes, dude. And then I was like, right, she's 18. I think that would have been me at 18 as well. So, or 17, whatever she is. Mm -hmm. um, but I love, because um, after this, they go into the room, right? And this is where I'm like, and kiss, and kiss. And like every two minutes, I was like, just shut up. Like, this is where I... I'm a feminist, but I'm like, I don't care. Just grab her and kiss her. Like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I don't well, know. This scene was so good, though. It was yeah, so it, it was. It was I so know. painful, but it was so good. The pan over the shoulders from when he starts by saying, like, you know, you are the bane of my existence. Ooh. And it's just like gulf of a pause as it pans over his shoulders. And he finally admits, and the object of my, all my desires. <gasps> I literally, I kid you not, Angela can say this. I sat straight up in bed and yelled, what the fuck, at the top of my lungs <laughs> when I saw that I'm like, oh my God, he actually said it because everything had been so subliminal exactly. up to that point that like we, we haven't gone full kiss, as you said, but like we really ascended things to the next level. Well, and this is also where um, he tells Kate that no corner of the earth is far enough to stop Ooh. his torment. And he, you know, is kind of, prowling towards her like she is prey and it's like do you even know all the ways a lady can be oh, seduced oh, like oh. i i could teach you so many things <sighs> and, and it's like yeah we're like hello we've been waiting for this like i i want to watch you seduce her too and it's so funny because in the book right i think he says this way at, like i feel like chapter five i don't know if very early because they do kiss in his study pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they go to Aubrey Hall after. But it's just, it's so funny because he, this is everything that he's thinking from jump. And Kate just doesn't know what to do. This is where I was like, see, you are not as strong as you thought yep. you were. Yep. Like you, you're a putty in his hands. And I 
loved it because what, like you wouldn't be sasha stop it oh that's literally what i was about to say i was like because this is me as a human where like i i love to be like oh look at me i'm so tough if some man said that to me it's a wrap what do you need for me do you want me to stay at home do you want me to cook do you want me to clean i do it all man not stay at home and cook. Oh, I won't kept woman. I you. will not clean. But I think I think more than a kiss, I think I think when I saw your tweet, Mike, and you said it's so hot, I thought, yes, hotter than a kiss are these two faces with the lips, the lips fitting towards yes. each other with a millimeter. I think I would have licked them. And <laughs> oh my god. Well, okay, that's close to me. There's no oh, way. Oh, I just but they're like but they're also like whispering to each other right like they're almost playing a game yes. of telephone they're like i want to grab his damn hair yeah, yeah. yeah. No, well, he's also right he's like he's gingerly running his fingers over her hair it's like not touching it's, not quite touching it's, it's oh, so i could do it i could mm. do it but he's not <laughs> with her her. he's not holding her she can leave so we don't feel that she's she's compelled to be there by her her you know by things that are happening downtown she's compelled to be there <laughs> but not compelled by him you know holding her we know that Pepe Le Pew uh mm-hmm. dreadful you know thing of holding and struggling to get away no longer acceptable so this was they're not even touching but they're just completely magnetized and they can't stay away hot 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 and she, you know, she whispers back to him that she didn't ask for this herself. Uh, they they agree that it is insupportable. It's impossible. They're on the same page and we want them to kiss. And he gets his sober second thought and he shakes his head. He steps back and says, if I marry Edwina, I will be bound to you for eternity. I will spend every single day of my marriage wanting you and dreading the day when my last thought of honor finally snaps. Is that the future that you want for us or for Edwina? <sighs> like, stop being such a gentleman. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's enough already. Like, this is... This, please. Oh, it's so on. tough, though. Yeah, it's head versus heart. I mean, Lady Whistledown yeah. talks about this and her, like, gossip girl ending here, right? About, like, duty versus devotion, essentially, is the main dichotomy here. And, like, that is Antony sort of coming to terms with that, right? Of, I want to do this. But as we found out, like, episode three, which I really enjoyed, like, one of my favorites of the entire series, if not season, like, really underlined why he feels this immense pressure on himself. And I can imagine that sense of self coming back in that moment to pull him back. But like you said, Kirsten, like, they're on the same page, and then we kind of fell asleep while reading the book. And then we like, yes. we're just like, oh, no, what, what, what page was I on? I totally forgot about that. So between this and then, like, her sort of rebuking him at the end of the episode... It's it's a really tough sort of like amicable agreement to keep their space, but like at the same time they yearn for each other so much, and that's what makes it so deliciously complicated. <laughs> and they can't yeah. each have the same attitude at the same time, because in their tossing and turning in the night, and getting out on their horses to ride out, ride out the the feelings, uh, physical and mental and emotional, they find themselves in the morning as well. And now he's saying, "I will ask Edwina to break it." And now she's saying, "Don't do that. She loves you, and this will fade and be forgotten." So get the attitudes together at the same time, because if you'd said that last night, she would have said yes, 
and if she'd said it this morning, you know, so ah, welcome to wonderful. romance, Sarah. Right? I was like, hello, romance. <laughs> um, and yeah, so as we we already kind of talked about how Edwina in this episode says that she's in love with Anthony. Um, and yeah, I agree that we can jump straight to the yeah. the horseback riding. In the I, morning. I, I will say though, before we get to it, uh, of course, their hair looks so good down. For many reasons, it sucks that they had to have their hair pinned up the entire time. Because when they just let it down, like, let that natural volume show, it is so utterly gorgeous to me. Yeah, so I mean, one of the most sensual, well yeah. Beautiful hair and how it's yeah. just not, it's not fair, but. The, the the scene of, <laughs> of sisterly hair oiling was so sensual in the best possible way. And, and you feel how nice that would be. And you feel that closeness of the sisters. And Sasha's saying to us, like, it just was really resonant as an Indian woman to see two Indian women interacting like yeah, that. Yeah, I was so like, that that's was just all a hair. thing that people, yeah. like, in Indian yeah. it's like, yeah, you oil, or like some usually a woman in your family will oil your hair it's just it is what happens it's how they get that volume mm-hmm. <laughs> like let's be clear so beautiful so yeah this 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 is these loose evening robes and both of them with their hair down i mean they wow they're just gorgeous indian so, hair wigs are the most expensive mm. <laughs> for a for a reason like mm-hmm. um let me tell you do you know how many TikTok accounts I follow that are all about like hair care and hair growth? And the only good ones are all run by Indian women. Like, Real. you have it on lock. It's <laughs> all just that how it medical is. Indian medicine. <laughs> oh no! Indian, oh no! Was I inventing appropriation now, Sasha? You guys, why Mr. Dorset was actually gonna go to India was just like I need that hair. Yeah, it's like how do I get that luscious hair? Yeah. So, I mean, as well as the sort of the the wonderful, the, the, the great hotness between these two, I think one of the things that this production of Bridgeton gives us is such beauty, beauty in the fabrics, beauty in the clothing, beauty not just in the people but in the emotions between them, sensuality and this kind of world that we understand that there's a cake here and there's a cup of tea there and there's a necklace and there's a neck and there's a, because, you know, as you know, I love Cressida and one of the reasons I love her is that exquisite neck. So they give us... She's all neck, bro. Like She's all neck and forehead. All neck and forehead, to be fair. But it, it gives us all of that. And so I think the, the, I mean, I'm terrified of the breaking of the sisterly bond because the sisterly stuff, I don't have a sister, but I imagine, you know, that's very resonant for me and it's a very real relationship. Um, and and part of it is just that that kind of when you're physical with someone that you've known for a really long time it's 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 unconscious it's warm it's soft and it's a way of showing love and I think they've given the production gives us that in all different ways yeah um I will say speaking Mm. of beautiful jewelry the jewelry is pretty ugly um and I'm so sad because even on the streets of India you'll get such nice looking cheap jewelry so why why did they do this like I mean, Etsy, like, I don't understand because (laughs) it seems like, again, I, maybe I should have looked up who the costume designer was before this, but I was like, did a white person do this? Because this is like the worst kind of cheap, actually, it's not even cheap. I bet it's pretty expensive. And I want to be like, just give me a hundred dollars and I could, I think, do the whole cast uh, and their jewelry for their whole season because it's really pissing me off at, that they're underutilizing Indian jewelry and how beautiful it is. Again, even the cheap stuff. I was like, I could just 
let you borrow my whole bangle box and it'll be better than this. Like just ugh, annoying. Very, anyway. very fair. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah. So moving on to the morning, uh, horseback ride. Um, this is where we get the string version of you ought to know, um, yes. which is so good. So why good. do, why do they not do a cover every episode? That's what, like you could say, Oh, it's only when they have the balls, but like, as you showed right here, they don't necessarily need it. It's like, Give all the royalties a vitamin string quartet or whoever's doing this. Let let them do it because I want to hear some Alanis Morissette being rocked out on the viola personally. It's so beautiful. Like, and it's just the perfect vibe for this encounter where once again they're now both not on the same page again. Anthony's willing to um, you know, end the engagement. Uh, and Kate is saying, No, you can't do that. You'll break Edwina's heart. And uh we get, you know, the big, you know, conflict of the whole season is that Anthony points out that Kate has never wanted this marriage to happen. Yes. Which is why I'm like, Anthony, are you okay? Like, mentally? Like, are you not in it like she is? So, obviously, she doesn't want it to happen because she wants it for herself. You rake. Well, yeah, she was against it before because she didn't think Anthony was good enough for her sister. And she's, you know, against it now because of entirely different personal reasons. And so is he. Hello. And she decides to be selfless. And she says she'll not be the cause of Anthony losing his honor any more than she can see Edwina in pain. The passion between them will pass. Like, please, please, Anthony. And he's like, okay, like, fine. Mm. When Anthony talked to her before about, like, you know, the things I can teach you how to do, do you think he'd teach her how to go down on him in a theater? Oh, Lord. I think Anthony would go down on her in a theater. Yeah, that's sure. what I was going to say. Taking those lyrics literally from Alanis Morissette. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, I think what we're supposed to think is that these men are very much like reading She Comes First kind of moments. Duke included. That's, I mean, that's how Regency is written. Where right. It's like, oh, 99% of these women are going to marry men who don't care about their needs and are just going to be like, lay on your back and think of England. But if you are the lead in a Regency romance novel, you will be marrying the reformed rake who knows exactly <laughs> what he is doing and cares about your pleasure. It's also very hard to think of England when you don't even know who's on the team. <laughs> Oh my Oof. god. Oh my so the episode ends with Anthony tipping his hat, mounting his horse, and riding away, leaving panting. Kate. Panting. Sure. Uh, panting. Uh and Kate is Are you sure that wasn't Newton leaving. that was panting? Uh, poor Newton. <laughs> no, oh probably yeah, poor oh. poor I mean it's it's such a beautiful speech though, because like it's such a thing where you know she doesn't believe it, but she's trying to convince herself of it as well, right? Of like, this'll go away. It has to. It'll hurt, but it has to. It will. Don't worry. But like, you can tell and he can tell. It's like, no, you don't feel that way, but like, you have to go through the motions. And I think, Kirsten, that's a great point of like, that's just so evocative of the season theme in general, which is like, you have to go through the motions. Once you make a choice, you have to commit to it, such as just like life in this. You know, we are post- Henry VIII bringing about the idea of divorce, but like it is still something that is rare, very uncouth, uh, and that like finding a partner is, and settling down with them is still very much the norm. So it's rough. It's a rough way to see these two break apart when you want these two crazy kids to get together, but they always just keep missing 
each other. And now especially we leave things uh, of like, okay, I guess we're done for now, even though neither one of us want to. Bye-bye. And you just, you know they're both absolutely despondent and sexually frustrated as hell. And that's never a good place to be. Absolutely, yes. And that's another thing we get in the books, right? Like actually seeing Anthony sexually frustrated because he legit like in his like we get his dreams and we get him like having basically wet dreams about her and it's just i was like yeah give me that but it was beautiful we want nocturnal <laughs> emissions yeah. i mean what do, you, what do you think he's doing in that tub constantly in the tub yeah he's very wet this this episode he has to cool himself off what do you mean and it's, yeah you think it's just like it's a, pour ice did. please pour the ice in <laughs> Oh God! Oh, Poor Kate, though. Poor Kate. <sighs> Poor Kate. Um. So I guess the only other things we didn't touch on is we we do get, as Sasha said, Lady Featherington is is creating embezzlement in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll admit, I don't know. I'm really not a fan of this. This to me feels like padding. This to me just feels like a well. We need to, we need to include material for them. So like. I mean, I liked the initial introduction of like the freaking bean pole that was Lord Featherington, and there was some fun stuff there. I don't know if I need the like, hey, let's be Mrs. Lovett and Sweeney Todd and like going on a scheme together to do money laundering, essentially. That whenever in these past few episodes when they went to the Featheringtons, even with like Penelope, because we were doing some similar stuff with her, I was like, uh, let's get back to the good stuff. You know, I'm, I'm, I like the Featheringtons, but I feel like they have had a bit of a weaker storyline uh, once they start shedding people from their household. Well, and like yeah. they didn't need to be so much of the season if the episodes had just all been like one hour or 50 minutes. Like, and they gave the most iconic, right, thing at, at Aubrey Hall, Lady Featherington, finding two lovers to these two to prudence and cousin instead of it being anthony and kate with the bee sucking so to me it's just i will never forgive them because lady featherington <laughs> did discover two lovers in the book it just wasn't her own child which was like yeah. so incestual and gross <laughs> yeah i i just think that they they could have maybe not done it like this but yeah they're uh gonna cash in counterfeit jewelry and try and find investors for the mines that have no profits um is there that anything? jeweler is dumb as hell no, that jeweler's like, mr brooks a cake no cake oh no okay. next um, time no cake is there anything else that we missed or anybody wants to touch on i feel like we just got most of it. just one thing in that final scene of the horseback ride scene the talk she calls him Anthony. Mm -hmm. Oh, and yeah, and, it and there's stops his heart. Yeah, and it's interesting, right? Because there was that entire scene with Edwina, right? Where she's like, "Oh, when yes. Anthony does that, it's like, oh, are you allowed to call him that?" She's like, "No, not yet, but I'm assuming we'll get there." And the fact that it just slips loose out of Kate's mouth and it sounds so natural, it shows that again, it's meant to be. Oh, wake up, really sheeple! Is. Wake up, God! Literally, wake up, sheeple! Um. Sasha, I know you had pulled yes. some iTunes reviews. Yeah, we have a few this time. So I'll just quickly read a few. Thank you so much, everyone, for leaving us reviews. I know it like takes time out of your day. So we really appreciate it. And remember, five star only. So, uh, so the first one from JCS says, leaving a five star review. <laughs> so Kirsten isn't disappointed for the next episode. <laughs> 
Kirsten is now not disappointed. Yes. Thank you. And that is the right call. And if any of you are thinking, maybe I'll leave a review, maybe I won't, just think, how will Kirsten feel if I don't? And it is bad. And do you want to be responsible for me feeling bad? That's all I'm saying. Absolutely. Wow. (laughs) And maybe if we get like 100 reviews next, like Mike will share the beard photo. Yes. Oh, I love this incentive. Listen. You know me, right? You tell me like, oh, do something and Mike will do something stupid. Yeah, sure. Okay. I'm, Benedict. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Benedict. That's why I love Benedict so much. It's like, Benedict, <laughs> yeah. sure, I'll hop on. I'll model naked for you. Exactly. So, yeah. so listen, I, I, if y'all get us 50, to get us to 50 ratings and maybe not 100, but 50 <laughs> and maybe I'll make Mike drop the phone. I like how you brought down like the proverbial cost of this yeah, product. Once we introduced a high cost and then once you were like, oh, I'm down for anything. Sasha was this like, oh, discount. we can do it with It's a discount. Yeah, yeah. discount price. Right. Only special, yeah. special for Bridget. Yeah, it's, if we get to, if we get to 50 by the next episode, then it's 50. But if we yeah. don't get it by then, then it has to be a hundred if you're yeah. ever going to get I'll, it. I'll allow. That that's fine with me. Um, yeah, and they said that they're so happy we're back for season two and they love listening to us because they get to spend their Tuesday and Thursdays hanging out with us. We love hanging out Aww. with you. Aww. Thank you. And someone, a BB watcher who I have seen a few reviews in other uh, spaces, uh, said we're doing great and they love our different perspectives and they found us from RHAP. So, hey, shout out. Thank you. <laughs> hey, shout out to up. the other boss. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, A.R. Henning says, new to me, because they were jonesing for a new Bridgerton podcast, and they love that they found us, found these women, because we bring a multicultural understanding of the series, and we love that they love that we read the books, and it's great because they also appreciate that we critique the writers. Great find. Oh, That's the best you. review. You win. Thank, thank you. you. And then someone so- else. Oh, sorry. We have one more. CLR says, love the context and info you guys gave on India in episode two. Also love all your other fun takes and critiques. So I just want to say I appreciate that y'all are appreciating our critiques because I low-key was V afraid. But, you know, we have to be authentically us. So thank you everyone and keep sending those five star reviews and get that picture yeah wake up australia wake up australia let's have a, a review a rating a review something i look every week and i have nothing to bring to the pod so you're letting me down my countrymen and women and others uh, Canada does the same for me every week. You'll get used to it eventually, Sarah. I know. Uh, shout out <laughs> Nepal. I know that you're listening. I know. Yeah. So Nepal, you are our number one as well. And I know Australia's <laughs> listening because you've put us very high on the um on the um the charts Chart. there. So thank we're you. We're gonna for that. drop in the charts now that we're harassing them. Um, uh, okay. Again, enough of the the self congratulations. Yes. Mike, yeah, thank stop you. It. So much for joining us. This was so much fun. Uh, I'm glad we got to have you on for your favorite episode. <laughs> yeah, the pleasure was all mine. God, I love this episode. Again, like I could, I could do like 30 more minutes on that conversation in the library because just Same. like holy crap, tenser than a tuned piano forte, baby. <laughs> uh, sit down, Prudence, and play me a song. Yeah, this was. Uh, this was I've been really enjoying this season. Uh, I know that again, like there are some storylines that hit and some that miss, but like my my brain keeps going back to Kate and Anthony, which I just think is masterfully done, purposely teasing 
but just like so incredibly acted and so incredibly toned and being able to get all of your perspectives as well on, on all this stuff, especially from the book perspective too. Obviously I get a little bit of it like through osmosis through, you know, watching it with, with someone who has read the books, but like, you know, it, it's not, to be honest, it's very rare that I approach a piece of pop culture being like a casual as someone who like does not have access to the source material. Who's not like a out and devout geek about it. So like, I love the ability to be able to settle in and just like watch this romance and happen and just like enjoy it for all it is and getting the ability to come on and, and express even just a modicum of everything that I enjoy about the show after discovering it so late uh, as, as soon as like a month ago just makes me incredibly happy. So thank you for, for having me on and, and being able to, you know, get me the opportunity to come on and talk about this. I will be uh, repaying you in the, the jewels that are coming from my minds. They're, <laughs> they're in transit somewhere. They'll be here in like a few weeks don't worry. Just keep checking that mailbox. And if you haven't seen it, it'll probably be in there in the next few weeks Not after that. The podcast swindler over here. <laughs> Honestly, I res- I respect it. Mike, I from the moment you texted me to be like, I just started watching Bridgerton. I was like, oh, another opportunity to talk to Michael. Okay. Right. Oh, you were a joy, Mike. Thank you so much for coming Thank on you. and just being wild with us. We yes. appreciate it. And so with that, uh, if people want to hear more of you being wild, where can they find you? Yeah. That's the thing is you're like, Oh yeah. I, I restrain myself on all the other podcasts. Dude, that is not the case no. whatsoever. <laughs> I'm fully like Anthony moist shirt the entire time on the various podcasts that i do uh when you wear a shirt yeah i was like check out the amazing grace video coverage everyone (laughs) yeah or that one uh it's instagram takeover i I think it was the three of us oh yeah sasha was there too i don't think i think it was no it was the three of us sorry no it was was, mike and i no because Yes. And, and Jenny? It, it, oh, yeah. Jenny, Jenny, yes. Jenny popped on for a bit. It was morning in Australia because I do remember Khan from Australia and Survivor hopped in for a hot <laughs> second. It was like, what is this? And I'm like, oh, no, Khan, I didn't want to meet you like this. Uh, <laughs> so speaking of Australia and Survivor, actually, so Survivor proper, uh, I'm doing, you know, the covers that I'm, I'm very blessed to be able proper. to do. Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, well, listen, uh, U.S., I should say. The, uh, the, the old generation. Original recipe. Exactly. I guess well, original recipe would be like the Expedition Robinson from like uh, you know the Scandinavia. But so I'm doing enough. (laughs) So I'm doing the B and B with Liana Boris. Very silly, stupid things. Uh, This is coming out on Tuesday, so we will have had Peridium, very fun guest on uh, for this past week to talk about this most recent episode. I'm also doing Exit Press over at Parade.com with a really, really fun and messy cast, and I'm sure you will not want to miss this week's. I also got the opportunity to talk. Australian Survivor proper, as Sarah would say, uh, to talk about the finale of a season that certainly was a season of Australian Survivor. Uh, it was a really fun trinity of myself, Shannon Gus, and a, a COVID-inflicted Nikaya Danza, which was oh so wild. But we had a, we really had a fun time. Uh, that should hopefully be in your feed as well. When it comes to post-show recaps, so uh, the Lost stuff is going on. Josh Regler and I are now in the next phase of Down the Hatch where we are now ranking the episodes uh, due to like the numbers we assign to it. And Josh and I are now trying to guess what episode is next by listening to clips from podcasts that we did. So talk about like self-serving. It is our, <laughs> a memory test slash like pat on the back that you know you always wanted in a podcast. 
Uh, I get on the line occasionally with Jessica Lee to talk about Star Trek. We talked about Star Trek Picard, which has just been absolutely wackadoo this past season. But something I'm really excited to announce, I can announce here because, again, this podcast is coming out after this is launching. On Monday, you should have gotten a new podcast in your (gasps) feed, Post Show Recaps listeners. Uh, I am covering the HBO show Barry, which is a Bill Hader show. It's a dark comedy. I love that show so much. I could scream. It's a ridiculous show. It is about a hitman who finds very late in life a love for acting, despite the fact that he is terrible at it. Uh, And so it it involves like him attempting to become an actor while also dealing with the fact that he kills people for a living. It is as wild as the proposition sounds. I get to cover that with the gate Deidre, who if you are a member of the Post Show Recaps patron discord, she is very populous among their very big member of the community. So at the time you're listening to this, we will have like an official kickoff podcast slash season one in review. We'll be doing a season two in review before a weekly coverage of season three. And then like once it hits May, then like the shit really hits the fan. Then we get Obi-Wan Kenobi. Then we get Stranger Things season four. Then maybe some other stuff happens as well. So I am like relishing right now in the relatively little that I have to do compared to like the tsunami that is coming my way. But I'm very happy to have the opportunity and the time that I have to come on and like talk about these shows that I'm watching on the side, like Bridgerton. We're so lucky to have you. We really are. How did we get so lucky? Yes. Um, And Sarah, where can people find you? (gasps) Uh, well, here on the post show recaps, we have finished our coverage of Our Flag Means Death. A Brooklyn Z, Grace Leader, and I uh, had a very special episode drop. Please go and listen to that. It's our interview with Vico Ortiz, who plays Jim on the show. Uh, it was a wonderful conversation. Uh, and if you have not watched Our Flag Means Death, please do so immediately and start using the hashtag Renew Our Flag Means Death, trying to get the uh, second season happening and on RHOP I have a weekly crime a true crime review podcast with Murray Forth it's called Crime Scene S-E-E-N and we bring you True Crime Tuesday so every Tuesday we drop our review and recap of a true crime property it could be a current one could be a past one it could be highbrow or it could be What's coming up today (laughs) which will be extremely lowbrow think wives with knives yeah yeah, and you can follow me on Twitter at Sarah Carradine if you so desire. What about you, Sasha? And you can follow me on Twitter at funsize underscore oh four. Uh, there might be a little announcement that comes out um, when this is out, but I'm not sure. So just follow me on Twitter so you can learn more about all the other podcasts I'm up to and check out Silent Podcast for additional coverage of other reality shows. Yes, and if you would like to hear more from me, you can find me over on the Hot Dummies on Islands feed talking about Temptation Island with the amazing Maggie Morgan. I also have a weekly BoJack Horseman rewatch podcast with the great Lindsay Wilson. We uh, are heavy into season six at this point, and we did just launch our Patreon. So if people wanted to support us over at BoJack Horse Pod, that would be wonderful, Um, as well as weekly uh, Riverdale coverage with mail over Male with frail Mary. Male. I combined frail and Mary together. You can see how tired I am. I have too many podcasts. So frail Mary and I over on Kowski cast. That's cow with a K. Um, And you can follow me everywhere at Kirsten said what on every platform, including twitch.tv slash Kirsten said what. And as Sasha said, 
maybe there's an announcement that is coming out around when this comes out. Um, but wait, wait and see on that one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we will be back later this week talking about season two, episode six of Bridgerton on the Dark Walk. And we'll see you then. Yeah.